was sitting in his first grade uh, or his fifth grade Sunday school class listening to his teacher tell all these stories about Adam and Eve and and eventually got to the part where Adam and Eve, um, where God put Adam into a deep, deep sleep. And from that deep sleep, how God took a rib and removed it from Adam. And from that rib, it created uh, the woman. All the boys, whenever they hear those stories, sit there and, of course, we count our ribs. How many are right there? And try to figure it out. I don't remember how many ribs are actually there but there's not one missing on one side versus the other but it can feel like it sometimes especially if you broke one so um, after supper or after church is over there was uh, the wonderful thing that happens on occasion called a Methodist potluck and little Andy being legendary for his appetite went into that potluck and like a hoover began to vacuum up all bit of the food from one end of the table to the other. And then went and hit the dessert with all those wonderful things that come out of our southern kitchens. And then he decided he was quite uncomfortable from all of the things that he'd shoved into his body and disappeared. Finally, people started to notice he was missing. Now that was usually a sign that something was not quite right. Well, Andy was not around. It means you better go looking fast. Something's about to happen. But this time, his Sunday school teacher said, I think I might know where he is. I'll go look in my Sunday school room. And there he was in severe gastrointestinal distress from all of the food that had been consumed, sitting there, bent over, hunched over, holding his side. And the teacher looked at him very concerned and said, what's wrong? You look like you're in pain. He said, I don't know, but I think I'm having a wife. <laughs> that had absolutely nothing to do with the sermon. I was just killing dead time. Um, so let me grab my, uh, grab my Bible. When Mike goes out of town and calls me, he always leaves me the difficult ones. Uh, to figure out. Uh, so I got an email about doing um, a sermon on spiritual gifts to support gifts. So for those of you that are not too familiar with church language, there's going to be some church language right off the bat with this. And since I was having to tend to uh, my mother last Sunday, I didn't get to hear what Mike preached on. Don't tell him, but I didn't listen to it online either. So there may be some repeats, and there may be some different angles to how uh, I kind of look at uh, spiritual gifts. But when you look in your um, handout out of the bulletin this morning, you see that it lists support gifts. Here is apostleship, word of wisdom, prophecy, word of knowledge, evangelism, pastor, teacher, and teaching. And these gifts are, are meant mainly for this support of the body of Christ, building and supporting the body of Christ. So I kept trying to figure out that phrase. What does that mean, support? Because when I think of support, I think of things that often occur behind the scenes, the people that you don't see, um, people that 
like when, when a play is being put on, it's not the actors out on the stage or the dancers or the singers. There's a whole crew that almost never gets to be in the spotlight. They're the ones running the, the lights. Uh, they're the ones making sure that um, the characters are in the right spot, making costumes until the whole production gets put on. So I looked at some of the other gifts in the list and I saw, well, administration and leading. Well, that kind of felt like support to me. Um, most pastors have obvious spiritual gifts in things like speaking and teaching. <laughs> Very few of us are administrators. I mean, that's just a reality. We have to rely on other people for administrative tasks because that's not our gifted area and I don't know what I would have done throughout my years in the ministry if I had not had gifted administrators not necessarily do I mean a secretary but folks that came along and were part of uh, of the councils of the church uh, trustee chairs the gifts that a, a trustee chair has to have uh, especially they really go beyond supernatural abilities especially when um, a trustee chair gets elected and suddenly you see God gifting that person um, with administrative gifts after they've been elected to be a trustee chair. Suddenly they can figure out how to make calls, call the right contractors, figure out the right people to put together to fix something. Obviously it became a very uh, gifted experience. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, that is definitely church kind of language because we have gifts that are in all aspects of our culture and our lives that aren't necessarily tied to who we are within the body of Christ. Those gifts can still be used, but they're not necessarily that, that moment of supernatural gifts. So there's a, an idea of um, natural abilities, talents versus the supernatural gift at the moment that was given you for salvation to help draw all people into the church and function well within the body of Christ. So yes, there are people when they sing, when they speak, um, when they uh, draw, when they play a sport, some of those things seem absolutely supernatural wow, that person is really gifted. That was a spiritual experience. Yes, it was a God-given talent, but in the sense of the gifts meant to um, grow the church, build the body, keep the body functioning and healthy, Paul lists out in his epistles, the Apostle Paul in his epistles, certain spiritual gifts. The support gifts then seem to be more along the lines of a foundational sort of gift, those initial gifts that help then build the foundation of the body of Christ to function as a church, as a whole. Um, they're listed as apostles, uh, wisdom, you need wise people uh, to, to be able to discern. There's the idea of prophecy, being able to look at something and kind of tell the future about it a little bit. I don't mean in the sense of a um, fortune teller by any means, but uh, 
a prophet kind of has the ability to take all the wisdom that they have around them, listen to the Holy Spirit, read the scripture, and then say, you know, I think this is what God's trying to tell us. And then there's uh, evangelism. You've got to be able to grow the church. Um, there's being able to know things, to understand things, the pastor, of course, and then teaching. I also kind of like to put administration in there as a foundational gift. It's just something you need. And then you look into the others, the gifts of service and signs. And those are the things that then, I think, validate um, the ministries of the church. And if you go and read books about spiritual gifts, uh, different authors and different theologians will label the gifts differently. The scripture for this morning um, deals with how these gifts come together to build the body of Christ. It is Romans 12. Where am I? One of these days, I've, I'm just going to have to graduate to the large print Bible. I know it's coming. <laughs> I can actually see it better on the screen than I can right here. So that's where I'm going to read it. <laughs> um, isn't that all? You know, we just... So we're going to talk about the body and how it breaks in just a minute. Spiritual gifts. For the, through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted each to the measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one of another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. Most holy and gracious God, fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit, that the words of my mouth may not be the ramblings of a mortal man, but may carry a ring of eternity, and be in the minds and the hearts of the congregation as they meditate upon your word. In Christ's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. At some point, one of us will uh, experience a physical failing in our life. Something will break on our body and require assistance of someone else. It's going to happen. There's no doubt about it. Um, I've experienced it myself. Um, you know, I've had to rely um, very much on my family and my friends to get things done that I once was able to do very easily. It, I had to rely on other people to make my body whole. And that's kind of an odd concept to think about, you know, but what do you mean I've got to rely on somebody else to make this body whole, this, in, this body that I don't want to be imperfect, function at a level that I can sustain. About 15 years ago, I met an incredible man. His name uh, was Richard. He, at one point in his life, um, was very engaged in uh, a lifestyle that was not conducive to being a diabetic. His body had already broken. The pancreas had suffered and was not producing enough insulin. And like many people do when, when 
they start to experience physical pain or suffering, they might self-medicate or find some other way to help relieve that pain and that stress. And, and my son Richard turned to alcohol and drugs and not eating well at all, which in many ways can, is the absolute doom um, to an uncontrolled diabetic. And because of this uh, very fragile disease, uh, the extra sugars he was putting in his body for the alcohol, the, the trouble with the drugs, his body started to fail in specific areas. He started to have trouble with his feet. And at this point, he's still um, in his early 20s, so a very young man. And he starts to notice that things around him are starting to go dark. His eyesight was going bad, an affliction that many diabetics have to deal with. Is, uh, diabetes can attack the eyes, and when, when you're not treating your body correctly uh, with that type of disease, the eyesight can go. And eventually Richard um, became totally blind. Then he got a gift. He got a gift one day. <laughs> it was a black Labrador retriever named Everett. This was after he had gotten his life somewhat in order and realized um, that he could no longer do things on his own, particularly with his eyesight being gone. And, and somebody put in for him to receive a service dog. Now the thing about service dogs is that they just can't be any dog. And I don't mean a certain breed uh, or a certain size or a certain type unless they're required to do heavy lifting or working, but it has to have certain gifts in order to function as a service dog. And service dogs can come in, in varying, varying um, types of occupations. Sometimes they're used to detect uh, seizures. Sometimes they're used to actually be somebody's hand extensions. Um, sometimes they help calm the autistic child. But in this particular case, this service dog uh, needed to be able to to see for its owner, a body part that had completely broken. The eyes were gone. And now an external factor had to come in and be the eyes for this person. So this dog, it was determined, had special abilities to help people who were blind. And went through the whole process, the training, and was eventually given to uh, my friend Richard. And it made all the difference in the world. Now here's the thing, there's other service dogs out there. But Richard didn't need a service dog that could uh, pick something up off the floor. Richard didn't need a service dog that could detect seizures. He needed a very specific type with a very specific gift. And that's the way spiritual gifts are. They, they're kind of given to us so that um, we can be drawn into the participation of the life of the church, particularly with some of those foundational gifts that we're drawn in to have, to have an experience within the body of Christ where we can serve. And those gifts look like 
are, are, many, are varied and, and look different in many ways, but they're meant to draw us in to help the body of Christ function healthy and better. Some of these support gifts, as they're listed, or the foundational gifts, are kind of the flashy ones. They're the ones that are, are somewhat out front. Uh, pastor, the teacher, uh, the people that are up front of the congregation, the ones that are leading, that are drawing. And yes, I'm telling you, uh, if you feel like you are uh, called to be a pastor, <laughs> make sure you got the spiritual gifts to do it. If you're called to be an apostle, make sure you have the spiritual gifts to do it. If you're called to be a prophet, make sure that you have the spiritual gifting to do that, especially prophets. Most prophets don't turn out well in their stories. Isaiah was supposedly dropped in a log and sawed in half when he made the king mad. So just be aware that when you step into some of these roles, they're tough. Administrators, that's a tough job. But ultimately fulfilling and glorifying the kingdom of God. So with some of these flashy support gifts, the one that, that you see out front, the, the, the people who are up front, one of the things that you've got to uh, be aware of is not to be jealous of the gift that you see somebody else may have received. Um, jealousy can get in the mix of anything that has a human endeavor to it. Um, personally, I have been able to participate in a few miracles. I feel like God really was in, 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 the, in the workings of some miraculous events that occurred in my presence. Well, I'm going to tell you, boy, wouldn't that be something to have that gift? All the time, being able to facilitate miracles on a regular basis and see them. Be a little, that could make me a little jealous of somebody that had that ability. Um, today is Move Day announcement in the United Methodist Church. The bishop has told all the preachers in the, in the North Georgia Conference where uh, the preachers will be staying or going to in the next year. And uh, the comments are going to come out. Well, that person really will function well in that church. Why did that person do that? Why didn't I get that church? Oh, I'm very thankful I went to that church. I'm thankful that person went to that church. That, per that person's going to be my child's pastor. Glory, I'm happy for that. When somebody receives a spiritual gift... Or, or starts demonstrating spiritual gifts in their lives, don't be jealous of that person. If it's a genuine gift and, and it's being discerned by the congregation that this is really the case, then we cultivate it and make sure that that person grows in that grace so that the, the body of Christ can grow as well. So y'all are very fortunate today um, because, you know, I, I don't get to preach that often anymore. Um, that I can't be long-winded because my wife has a, uh, a bridal dress fitting for our oldest daughter here at noon, and I better be done shortly. <laughs> so hopefully I got my quick point about, about support gifts 
and all that. They are the foundational gifts that the church then builds on, and you get all, and then all these other gifts that come along, the service gifts, the sign gifts are meant then to uh, validate and grow the body of Christ. But here is a point where I may stray from theologians and common thinking. Um, as I do on occasion, we all do. I've often wondered um, in the United Methodist Church if we call a sacrament, which we, our two sacraments are baptism and communion, something that was ordered of Christ and then demonstrated by Christ, which happened in communion and baptism, why the washing of the feet is not a sacrament. It was demonstrated by Christ and ordered by Christ to do that, the ultimate act of service. Yet there is no denomination in the world that considers that ultimate moment of service and, and humbleness a sacrament. And I've often wondered why uh, that is not the case. So some, Paul did something that I do when I'm trying to make my point, especially with my children. I repeat myself, sometimes in the same place, sometimes in a different place, sometimes when I'm happy, sometimes when I'm not so happy with them. But I repeat my point. In Romans chapter 12, which we... I just read that scripture, Paul makes a point about the body uh, cannot function um, without all the members present. The body cannot function without all the members present. So therefore, we all have different abilities and gifts that we bring to the table so that the body of Christ will function. He then almost repeats himself to the word in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we have another list of spiritual gifts listed. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, um, we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, and all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. The foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to body. Well, that would not make it any less part of the body. So Paul reiterates himself there and starts listing out, again, spiritual gifts in chapter 12. And then he puts an exclamation point. He puts an exclamation, an exclamation point to his dissertation on spiritual gifts. In the next chapter. In the next chapter, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, perhaps one of the most well-known um, thought processes on what love is in the entire world. There are people who have never darkened the doors of a church or sat through a um, a lesson on the scripture. They have heard, love is patient, love is kind. They have heard 1 Corinthians 13. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 starts out with a listing of spiritual gifts. 
We oftentimes don't think of it that way because we don't read 1 Corinthians 13 with 1 Corinthians 12 in, in our study process. We generally read it alone, um, separate from chapter 12 in the setting of a wedding or uh, Mother's Day or the renewal of vows and things like that. But when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, uh, it starts with saying, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, gift of tongues, that's the spiritual gift right there, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Okay? And if I have prophetic powers, gift of prophecy right there, and understand all mysteries and knowledge, knowledge, wisdom, and if I have faith, another spiritual gift listed right there, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And then if I give away all I have, another gift, uh, the gift of giving, and deliver up my body even to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, spiritual gift, they will pass away. As for tongues, spiritual gift, they will cease. As for knowledge, spiritual gift, they will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, and I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. in my humble opinion, the greatest of all foundational spiritual gifts is love. Not love in the sense of our Americanized, Anglicanized version, but that moment when we experience God in our life and we find out for the first time in our life what it means to be felt like loved unconditionally by the by the creator of the universe. And that gift is bestowed upon us. And then we are meant to use that gift to build the foundations of the church on the love of Christ. I enjoy a good band. I enjoy a good choir. I enjoy a good sermon. I enjoy a good Bible study. I enjoy a nice facility in a church. But the church I want to be at, because I've been in churches where they didn't have 
good music. I've been in churches where they didn't have nice facilities, served them. <laughs> I've been in churches where uh, the Sunday school lesson was so boring it would make you want to cry. But some of those churches love me unconditionally. And for all of those things that may seem like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, I want to be in the church with that foundational spiritual gift of the love of God. That's what will grow this body of Christ. Fortunately, we got a good preacher. Fortunately, we got a really good band. Our facility's pretty nice. And I know that you want to love people. When you look around you this morning, for all we are is a relatively young church. Arbor Point hadn't been around 200 years. There are a lot of people who need your love. And they need that experienced in the context that God gave you the gift of loving the unlovable. God gave you the gift of loving those in need. God gave you the gift of seeking out and loving the person who may never come through those red doors in the back. God gave you the gift of loving the person that may be sitting next to you right now you ain't real happy with. Or loving that person sitting next to you who you've loved wholeheartedly their entire life. Love. So when we talk about the things that God has gifted us with, in a spiritual sense. Not romantic love, not love like you love hot dogs, but the unconditional love of God. Love each other. Love each other. And sometimes you may just be called. You may just be called to love someone in a way that you never imagined. Showing love by helping clean somebody's house who, whose spouse died. Showing love by changing a tire on the side of the road on 285 if the hero unit don't show up. <laughs> Showing love by reconciling an age-old argument. Showing love by just listening or lending an ear. So what has God gifted you with? Some of you probably have the support gift of apostleship. You can cross a culture. Some of you are probably wise. Some of you may even be prophets in this room. Some of you may know things. That's me. I cook and I know things. Some of us are pastors and teachers. Some of us are administrators. And if you look through the other gifts, some of you have been given the ability for miracles and for faith and all those other things. 
But there is one spiritual gift, one foundational spiritual gift that we've all been gifted with. And that is the unconditional love of God and to take it into the world. Pray with me, please. Most holy and gracious God, if there is anyone here this morning who feels like they are unlovable, let them feel your love today. If there is anyone here this morning who feels like they can't love, open their hearts this morning that they might be able to demonstrate that love. And I thank you, O oh Lord, for this morning, for those who do demonstrate your love and understand it fully, that they might reach out to all those who need to experience the love of God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.